So with that out of the way, we can go ahead and jump into the teaching. Um, we're going to be in Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or on your devices, we'll also have the verses up on the screen. And we're continuing in our summer series of Pillars of the Local Church, You know where we're looking through the identity and the purpose of the local church as we meet on Sunday mornings, but also as we go out and are, uh, are the local church wherever we go. And, and this uh, message today, committed to prayer, uh, really does apply more to our personal lives, right, as we are, as we are the church as we go out today. Um, and and prayer, prayer is just something that is so incredibly important, but I think sometimes we can forget the important aspects of prayer um, and, and some of these important passages just because we hear them so often um, that it can sometimes fall on deaf ears. And, uh, and I'm sure pretty much all of us in here know how to pray. And so, you know, hopefully the goal today is, is that we, we spur us on to pray. And, and this really is, you know, prayer is something that I'm always trying to get better at. And so this is a message um, that, that I really need to hear today and need to apply into my life. And so if you want to go ahead and start the reading, I'll go ahead and read. It's Luke 11, 1 through 13. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, uh, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those ask him. And so today as we are kind of looking through these uh, these verses, uh, I kind of divide it up into sections. So we're going to be looking at first, uh, what do we pray? Um, the second section is going to be why do we pray? And then the last one is going to be the result of our prayer. So let's go ahead and jump into that first section of what do we pray? And so um, we see at the beginning, the disciples approach Jesus as he is praying. And, and notice they don't say, Jesus, you know, teach us how to pray. They just say, teach us to pray. You know, what is it that we need to be praying? And so Jesus, he gives them essentially an outline to do so. And that's our first point, which is that Jesus provides a great outline for what to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Um, I think we've probably all heard the Lord's Prayer uh, hundreds of times if we've been in church. Even if you've never been in church before, I'm sure you've heard it uh, in some context. Um, But I really think there's so much good uh, 
good truth and, and, and such good things that we should focus on in our prayers. And so uh, this first section, we're just going to be breaking down the Lord's Prayer section by section and looking at what are the important things that we should be modeling and applying to our lives um, and applying to our prayer lives. And before we do that, I just want to say uh, and remind us that our prayers uh, should not be focused on saying the right things, right? Um, I, I think sometimes, especially in maybe a public prayer setting, we can get really caught up in trying to say, you know, really uh, spiritual things, really impactful things, and, and trying to sound impressive and things like that. And, and we can even do this in our public prayer life or our personal prayer life where, you know, we think, okay, well, maybe if I say, say this you know, theological thing or say this verse with it that maybe, maybe God will answer my prayer then. Um, but I just want to remind us that our, our prayers should not be focused on, on trying to impress God or anything like that. He is, he's a loving father who accepts us as we are. So let's outline the Lord's prayer. Uh, the first two parts are, are really worshipful and, and praising God for who he is. The first one is, is our father. Most translations say our father who art in heaven, right? And the importance of this is that this is his title. This is who God is. And this is a reminder for us who it is we're praying to. And, and I think oftentimes we always start a prayer saying, you know, uh, dear Jesus or dear Lord and stuff like that. And I think sometimes we can forget the importance of the title of who God is. He is our Father who is ruling and reigning in heaven uh, on a much, 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 much smaller scale uh, whoever has has held or holds the title of president, you know, you don't just call them Joe or Barack or Donald or George, right? No, you call them President Joe Biden, President Donald Trump, President Barack Obama, even after they have served their role. And that is because that title is important. And so, again, much smaller scale, but we need to be remembering that the title of God is, is important to to who he is and his majesty as we are coming to him with our prayer. So just remember to recognize that. The next is hallowed be your name. And truthfully, hallowed was, was never a word I've used probably ever outside of this context. Uh, it, it's one of those words that, you know, if someone asks you, do you know that word? It's like, yeah, I know that word. And then they ask you to define it and you're like, uh, I don't know if I can, if I can really do that. Um, but, but so in reading, uh, in this passage, you know, I really wanted to, to understand what is the reason for using this word? What is the, what is the true impact of this word? And hallowed really just means to set apart. And so the importance of it here is, is that we are always trying to remember that that God is set apart from everyone else, from everything else, and that His name is above all. He is set apart, and He is He is our Father in heaven. That is His title, and that name, that title, is set apart from everything else. It is above all. The next is Your kingdom come, and in a lot of translations say Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and man, this is just such an important part of prayer, I think, just because we can get so caught up in praying what we want, right? What what we want to happen, what, what we think is right, what we think is going to be the, the good thing in our lives, what we think is going to be bringing us comfort. But what Jesus is reminding us here in the Lord's Prayer is that our hearts should always be set on what God wants, right? That, that His will should be above anything that, that we want in this world. And so we should be praying this with trust and with excitement. 
And we pray this with trust because we know that God has a plan for our lives. And it is a good plan that he has created for us before we were even born or, or thought of, right? He, is, he has set this out before us, and it, is, and it is good for us. So we should always be praying that, uh, praying for that with trust, knowing that he is going to take care of us. And we should also pray it with excitement because, truthfully, God does not need us to pray for his will to be done, for it to be done, right? God's will will be done whether we want to believe it or not. Uh, there's a movie uh, that I'm sure most of y'all have seen. Uh, it's the movie Elf. It's a Christmas movie. Um, and in the movie, uh, towards the end of the movie, Santa Claus is struggling to fly his sleigh, right? He doesn't have enough people believing in him and, and enough people with Christmas cheer. And so the characters have to, to fight to get more Christmas cheer, get more people believing in Santa Claus. And, and once they do, Santa can now fly his sleigh and complete his mission. God does not work like that. He does not need us to to be praying for his will to be done, for it to be done. And so, rather, he is a loving father who wants to let us in on his plans and what he has for us. And so, we should be excited that he, that he is inviting us in uh, to, to join in those plans. And that, and that So, we should be trustful and excited for those two things. The next section is... Give us this day our daily bread. And so Jesus shows us here that we bring our needs to God through prayer. Uh, We must remember that God has provided us with everything that we need, right? He has given us our provision. And so we should not only be praying for his provision and and asking for that every day, but we should also be thanking him as well for for everything that he has provided us, whether it is physically, spiritually. um, He provides us everything that we need every day. The next is, and forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone indebted to us. And so as we see that God is forgiving us of our sins, we should go out and model that same grace and mercy with the people in our lives. But I think far too often, I know I can fall into this, um, I think far too often we're like the the man in uh, Matthew 18, the, the story that Jesus tells of the servant who has this massive debt with his master, and the master eventually just wipes his slate clean, right? He says, you, you owe me nothing. Your debt is wiped away. And the servant leaves there, and then he goes to a, a man lower than him, and he says, uh, you owe me this, which is like a significantly less amount. And he, he's holding this debt that this man owes him over his head, right? I think far too often we're like that because if we think about it, we have sinned so much against God throughout our lives, right? And yet God has forgiven us of all of that sin. He's forgiven us no matter what. We have to do, we do nothing. He's forgiven us. And yet we still go and hold grudges against people. We still hate people. We still gossip and talk bad about people. And so I ask, are, are we really experiencing and believing in the forgiveness of God if we're not willing to forgive others ourselves? And so we must remember this, that, that God not only forgives us our sins, but, but we are also to forgive everyone around us because we model uh, what God does for us. And then the last section is, and lead us not into temptation. And, and truthfully, whenever I was younger, I, I didn't get this at all. I was like, wait, so if I don't pray this and I sin, does that mean God's responsible for my sin? But obviously I know now, and we should all know, that God does not tempt us uh, with sin or to do evil or anything like that. But we do face times of testing and things like that. Um, 
But truthfully, we should be praying away temptation. When we are struggling with sins or addictions or whatever it may be in our lives, we should be praying away that temptation and also be smart in our daily lives to see where those temptations are so as to not walk directly into them. Uh, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said, the man who prays, lead us not into temptation, but immediately then walks into it is a liar before God. Um, we should be smart to, if we are truly wanting to be rid of a specific sin or praying against it, uh, to, to keep watch over over where those sins, uh, what has led us into those sins before so that we can avoid it. And so we see with this outline here that Jesus has given us for the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't mean that we need to pray this exactly, right? But I think we should be taking these sections, these important parts of the Lord's Prayer and and the significance of these things and applying it to our own lives and making it personal in our own way as we pray them to our Father. And so let's move on now to our second section, which is why do we pray? And my first thought to this is of, of why do we pray is, is also simply why don't we pray? Um, I ask myself this question all the time of why, why am I not praying even more? And I heard a preacher say one time that our lack of prayer is our own declaration of independence. That when we are avoiding prayer, when we're avoiding spending time with God, um, that we are essentially saying whether consciously or subconsciously, that we are independent from God, that we don't need him. And so we see at the beginning, right, Jesus is is already praying, and that's when the disciples come to him. And so we see here and in numerous passages in the Gospels that Jesus is not separate from praying to God. And so why should we think that we are or that we shouldn't? If Jesus knew that it was so important that he was going to be able, that he was going to go and do it regularly, why shouldn't we take the same care that Jesus did? And, and if we look at the story that Jesus tells the disciples right after the Lord's Prayer, this was a story, truthfully, that, that I didn't get for a long time because I'm like, okay, this guy's, Jesus is talking about this guy who's asking for bread, but he doesn't give it to him, but then he bothers us some more, so he gives it to him. Like, what, what does this mean, like, when it, when it comes to, to us and God? And, and truthfully, what, what Jesus is really saying here and showing us is that this man in the story is showing that he is in desperate need. Right? He is bold in his claims, right? but he's also in desperate need. He doesn't just come to his friend and say, hey, can I have some bread? And his friend says no, and so he leaves. He doesn't even say, hey, can I have some bread? And his friend says no. He says, are you sure? You know, and then he leaves. No, he stays, and he, the word it uses is impudence. Right? He is, he is firm in saying that he is in desperate need for this bread. And for us... Um, we are to be this desperate and needy and persistent when we are coming to God, right? And, and that brings us to our second point. The question of why do we pray is we pray because we are in desperate need of God and his presence. Uh, in reading uh, the, these verses, I came across a commentary, and it said, it isn't that God is reluctant and needs to be persuaded uh, to answer our prayers. Like, we can, we can kind of almost grab that if we're, if we're not looking correctly at this story, that that God is reluctant to do it, so we have to, like, maybe fill up some sort of a meter in order for God to, to answer our prayers. But, uh, but it's saying it isn't that God is reluctant and needs to be persuaded to answer our prayers. Our persistence doesn't change God. Rather, it changes us and develops in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. When we come to the Lord in prayer, 
we, we need to be coming to him because we are desperate for him. We are persistent for him and his presence. We see this man's persistence. And so, friends, we must be this persistent as well in our prayer life. And so let's finally move on to the third section, which is the result of prayer. And it, kind of like in the beginning of the last section, I, I kind of asked, why do we refuse to knock? Why do we ignore God with prayer when he has shown us that he wants us to pray, right? He's, he's telling us, knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and, and you will be answered. You know, seek and he will find you. And, and I think it's because we, we can kind of get discouraged sometimes with our prayers, right? Because God doesn't always answer our prayers exactly how we pray them or, or how they want them to be answered. But I think that comes from us just not really realizing what prayer is supposed to be about. Because he never gives us scorpions or snakes when it comes to answering our prayers. And the result of prayer is us getting in line with God, uh, with getting his spirit. If you look at the end of the, the verses that we read, he says, how much more will the heavenly father give you stuff? No, he doesn't say stuff. He doesn't say worldly possessions or, or prayer requests answered. No, he says he's going to give you his Holy Spirit. And so our, our third point is the ultimate result of prayer is being filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus promises. And I think we just forget that, that 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 result of prayer is getting in line with God, with getting his spirit, not other worldly things or possessions, but, but Jesus telling us to be persistent in prayer, but also intense in prayer. And so that ultimate result of prayer, being filled with the spirit, I want to ask you, is this what you desire? Is this your goal when you're praying to make our thoughts his thoughts, to make our ways his ways? Or are we too focused on what we're trying to get that we completely miss the result? Um, and, and maybe it isn't even about what we are or are not praying for, right? Sometimes in times of crisis, we can turn to other things, if it's sin or, or just other things in this life that have given us a false sense of comfort, of peace, of happiness. And, and maybe it gives us those things for a few seconds or minutes or weeks or, or months or whatever it may be. But friends, in, in times of crisis, in times of goodness, we need to be going to God because we, we're in desperate need of who he is. And I just want to ask, if, if God answered all of our prayers, would we have more of his presence and his spirit, or would we just have more stuff, more things, more, more requests answered, right? So as we're, we're coming to a close, I just want to ask the question, are you committed to prayer? Are you committed to this type of prayer that Jesus outlines for us, right? This, this prayer of, of desperation, of persistence for God. Is, is prayer something you feel like you do just to check a box every day? Or is it something that you feel the need to do? That it is necessary in your life that you spend that time with God because you know that you need God. Uh, anytime I talk to students, about prayer, I always kind of use the uh, significant other analogy where it's like, if you never prayed, you know, or if you never talked to your significant other, you know, how would your relationship go and then relate that to prayer. Uh, but I want to take it a step further because I, I think so often in our 
prayer lives, it, it just looks like we're filling up a prayer request box. And so I ask, if you're in a relationship with someone, and the entire time, that you, the only things that y'all spoke to each other were just requests, and just asking them for things, and asking them to do things, and stuff like that, like, how do you think that relationship would go? Uh, if I was on the other side of that relationship, it would drive me absolutely insane if that was our only form of communication. And so in the same way, with God, if we're only coming to him with requests and not trying to, to get into his presence and not be filled with his Holy Spirit, how are we going to grow to learn uh, about God more, to love God more, if we're not spending time truly in his presence? We have to be pursuing after God and his presence because, truthfully, that is the best answer to prayer we can ever get. C.S. Lewis uh, has this quote. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. Is this you in your prayer life? And I ask myself the same question. Is this me in my prayer life? And most of the time, it's not, truthfully. But I want to encourage us all today. Let's strive to be a people a church, a body that are consistent, fervent, and intense when we pray, right? Not just throwing things up to heaven and and hoping that they stick. And I ask, if we started praying for God's presence and his spirit more, you know, how much more peace do you think that we would have? How much more comfort do you think we would have? How much more joy do you think we would have? And I ask, do you feel desperate for God? Do you feel the need for him in your daily life? Do do you come to him daily and, and, and ask for him because you know that you are helpless and that you can't do anything apart from him? Or or are you just content with where you're at? Um, this, these are questions that we have to answer ourselves when when we are talking about our prayer life. And, and when we leave here and when we, we go out and pray, we need to ask, am I desperate for God? Or am I just praying and, and living my life as if, as if I'm content with where I'm at? And so I just, again, want to encourage us, let's be a church that is committed to persistence with prayer and committed to seeking God's presence, because I think if we do, we can really start to change our own personal daily lives, but we can start changing uh, the people around us and, and affecting our community even better. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for... Um, just us getting able to come here and, and read your word and, and, and worship together. God, I, I pray for our church. I pray for myself that we can just be people who are pursuing after you and, and desperate for you in prayer, that we just realize our need and the necessity to being in your presence constantly, Lord. I pray that we can go this week and, and look at our own prayer lives and, and realize uh, where we can, where we can, where we can strive to, to be uh, more in line with you and, and to receive your Spirit, Lord. Thank you so much for for everything you've given us, everything you've done for us. I pray that we can have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. In your name, I pray. Amen.